I'm Dr. Sterling. I'm a board certified OBGYN and mom. Welcome to the Becoming Moms podcast, where I give you the step-by-step to optimizing your physical and emotional wellness in pregnancy so you can create a nourishing environment for your baby, your family, and yourself. The information shared in this podcast is intended for general education purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard in this podcast. All right, lovelies, let's dive in to this week's episode. Okay, so we have a very special guest here with us today. Kaylee Summers is also known as the Birth Trauma Mama. She has a huge following on Instagram and TikTok. She has her own podcast. And she's called the Birth Trauma Mama because she also, like me, experienced birth trauma. Um, on We are on two opposite ends in some respects of the birth trauma spectrum. You had a very clear reason to experience birth trauma, and I had the perfect birth that, you know, people don't even see how it could be traumatic. But I would love if you could share a little bit about your journey to becoming the the birth trauma wama and doing the important work that you do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So yeah, like, like you mentioned, I had what I would refer to as like a catastrophic complication with um, my son and it was unexpected and um, it was an amniotic fluid embolism and I am very lucky that we are both alive and well. Um, And that happened in July of 2019 now. Wow. He just turned three. which is crazy to consider. Um, but yeah, so so three years ago, I, I walked into labor and delivery with my first baby expecting, I'll be honest, I was not expecting an easy adventure. Um, yeah. I was very large and no one seemed to uh, be concerned about that, which okay. is a good thing for most people, I think. But I was like, yeah. there's a big baby inside of me, friends. I need you all to know that this is going to be a large baby. <laughs> And no one really uh, believed me. Um, he was okay. 11 pounds, so I win on that. He was 10. Oh, girl. Yeah, because I have a 10-14. You, got, 10, you got me back. No, he was 10-14. That's exactly You're what You're kidding. That's so funny. Yeah, I just say, ele- like, I just say 11 because, like, come on. But girl, he was exactly 10-14. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I, I'm, of course, already off track. But basically, I uh, – <laughs> I collapsed during labor. No one was expecting it. My heart stopped. Um, I was put on ECMO. Um, it was yeah. very intense for for everyone, including my entire medical team. Um, yeah. I delivered, thankfully, at a, at a trauma hospital, but it was still – it was a community hospital. So um, yeah. it took, like, the whole hospital to definitely come together that day to save yeah. both of our lives. Um, you did what we like to call – in the you know, very technically in medicine, you tried to die. Oh, I tried really hard several times. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But thankfully, um, yeah, still unsure, still unsure how I did not um, die. I did code twice, once initially, and then um, 
through the DIC, I, I just, I lost so much blood and they couldn't keep up with it. I ended up needing over 140 units of blood product. Um, 140 units. Yeah. Y'all in case, (laughs) in case you don't know, I'm getting a little tachycardic right now. Yeah. I'm so sorry. (laughs) That is a, that is a lot of blood. That is a lot of blood. Well, I'm very happy that you are here. Thanks. And that you made it. You didn't make it out unscathed. No. Were you a social worker before? I was. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I had my master's in social work and I was a licensed social worker before um, I had my son and I worked um, at a boarding school, a bunch of high schoolers. Okay. Um, Okay. And so we actually lived and worked there. Um, And so... That was in July of that year, and okay. then um, I was in the ICU for about two weeks. Um, it was expected to be much longer, but thankfully, I was able to go from the cardiothoracic ICU to the step-down ICU, yeah. and then I was just discharged home um, with, of course, a lot of aftercare still. Yeah. Um, but when I got home, I was like, this is the best. We really? are. Yes. Oh, I was like, we are going to, I was in La La Land, right? Because picture, picture this, right? You wake up in yeah. an ICU and everyone tells you you should be dead and somehow yeah. you're not. And doctors are literally looking at you like you're a ghost um, yeah. and they can't believe yeah. you're alive. So you're just like yeah. flying high. Um, I okay. was really sad about the hysterectomy, yeah. sad from the beginning about that, but um mostly was like, oh my God, we get to live as a family together and do life. We get this yeah. beautiful, wonderful second chance at life and it's going to be a fairy tale. And uh, that is not <laughs> what occurred. <laughs> um, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, so, How long did it take to hit you? Um, I would say like not much time once I got home. Okay. Um, cause being out of the hospital, it was just like, oh crap, this is real life now. And yeah. now I have to live with everything that happened to me. And I don't remember my baby's birth. I don't remember 10 whole days of my life. I don't remember yeah. the first week. I don't remember meeting him for the first time. How did we get here? Like how, how did I get here? How is this my life? How am I supposed to move forward? Um, and just so many layers, right? With yeah. like not being because you're also dealing with just like all the normal postpartum stuff. Yes, yes. And at this point, I On, still have. I mean, it's hard enough, right? Yeah. Oh my god. Just just postpartum is so isolating at times, and and yeah. feels so overwhelmingly hard. And at this point, I still had um, like an open wound because I had been left open for five days. They kept like going yeah. back in. Um, so I had nurses coming, and I was in no shape to take care of a baby. Um, so my parents lived with us for like six weeks and helped, which, um, while absolutely amazing and so grateful to them, it will really flip your family dynamic on its head to have your parents live with you for the first six weeks of your first child's life. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you, those are, you're establishing yourself as a mother, but you have to be taken care of. Yeah. So it became very much like I was a, a daughter again. Because even in yeah. normal postpartum, I feel like we sort of revert back to like, we need to be taken care of, of oh, course. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I felt like a big sister to to Celeste, my five-year-old, yes. for the yes. first year. Yes. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And so I think that was really hard on my husband too, because he like, of course was traumatized and he saw me die and had to deal with all of that and was pretty oh sure gosh. she I was... was in the room. Yeah. So I guess he would have been because the first time your heart just stopped. Yes. So I was sorry if you can hear trash trucks going by, of course, of course, <laughs> during the podcasting time, why would that not happen? Um, so my husband, yeah, I was 10 centimeters. I'd finally reached 10 centimeters after like a two and a half day induction. And um, he was in the room with my nurse and I, intuition is a weird thing. Um, I said, I don't feel good. And my nurse was like, okay, that is normal for transition, which is totally true. When I tell this story, people like to hate on my nurse for saying that, but like, that is true. It is normal to not feel good. (laughs) Yeah. 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 She was trying to be reassuring. Yeah. Yeah. People say that all the time. Not everybody who says, I don't feel good. Yes. Usually they go and throw up. Yeah. So she got me a bag. Amniotic so she, fluid embolism. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. So she got me a bag to to be. She was yeah. like, "I'll get you. I'll get you one of the little bag things to be sick in." And I said, "Nope. I really don't feel well. Something is wrong." And then I started yeah. screaming that something was wrong with my heart. Um. Oh my God. Yeah. Which like I don't remember that. Thank goodness. But I can only okay. imagine how. Yeah. If I I can only imagine how terrified I must have been. Um, and then I immediately I'm, went into cardiac. I'm like weirdly glad that you don't remember that. Oh no, I'm really glad. You're screaming that something is wrong with your heart. Like, yeah, you, you, there was like, impet- I mean, people do that. Yeah. Um, impending when doom. they're about, when they're about to die, when they're about to code, they will say that they will tell yeah. you sometimes I, I think I'm going to die. Yeah. It's very scary. Yeah. It's, it's actually quite common with AFE to be listed on the website as a symptom impending doom. Yeah. Yeah. We don't really, I mean, and I know you know this, but just for the listener and like, we don't really understand amniotic fluid embolism. It doesn't mm-hmm. happen very often. And, you know, some people, we, we find amniotic fluid in people who don't all the time in their blood all the time. Yep. So what is it, you know? And hopefully, um, it's very difficult to study because it doesn't happen very often, but hopefully we'll figure out what's what's going on and who's at risk for it, which would be, that's the goal, right? To know yeah. in advance. Yes. And the AFE Foundation <sighs> does amazing, yeah. amazing education and research on AFE. And hopefully we will find some more information on it because it is a bunch, right now it looks like just like a bunch of healthy individuals who go in exactly. to have their babies and this happens and we don't know why. Yeah. It's hard to find scary. really consistent risk factors, you know? It is. So yes. we hear a lot about preventing birth trauma. Yeah. Uh, you and I are both examples of trauma that I don't think could have entirely been prevented. Mm-hmm. I mean, people talk about education as being preventative. Yeah. Obviously you can't really get more educated in childbirth than having a medical degree and exactly. <laughs> being a board just certified say, OBGYN. How could you be more <laughs> educated than you? Yeah, I mean, you know, and in your case, um, I don't think that you can be prepared to yeah. code multiple times. But do you think there are ways to prevent birth trauma? I do. And I, okay. and I believe that because birth trauma is such a wide spectrum. Um, and there are a ton of people in my community who have experienced obstetric violence, who have experienced birth trauma that is preventable. um, And that is often due to the way they were treated or communicated with um, in a very, very vulnerable time. So I do think there's sort of um, 
two parts to this question. Yeah. One being that, no, if someone told me exactly what was going to happen to me, I would still probably be traumatized because going through that is different than talking about it. Now, people will say, then what's the point in you telling your story? Like, if you can't prevent the trauma, like, why scare people? And here's why. One, the AFE side of things. I want more funding and more research so we can figure out why the heck this is. And to be clear, this is, like, up to 80% fatal. So we have a large group of our community that has died. Um, And so I want to keep that from happening. But on on the other end is that I want people to know that if this does happen to them, if they end up on the other side, they know in their head that this is something that happens to people and they're not crazy for feeling the way that they're feeling. And there's a community that exists for them on the other side of it. And that's that's the main piece of like, why do I do this work? And in the preventing aspect, I think I also don't want clinicians, nurses, doctors to like throw up their hands in a situation like mine and say like, well, she's going to be traumatized anyway because so much of my trauma was mitigated by trauma-informed care from nurses and doctors after the fact. Um, Having people who like came into my room and cared about me and cared about my story and cared about how I felt and told me it was okay to feel however I was feeling changed the course of where that trauma could have developed more, gotten worse, been compounded by by the treatment. And so that even if you have these catastrophic things that are unpreventable, we can still actually mitigate the trauma on the back yeah. end too. I, I, I completely agree. I think that there's a huge role that nurses and doctors and really everybody involved in birth and postpartum care, there's a huge role that we play in, you know, doing a debrief and, you know, just being there, being available to answer questions. I mean, when you, you know, when you, when you're traumatized, you might not want to talk about it right Mm -hmm. away, but to know that you have a space it's it's so important. Yeah. And and you might be like me where you're like, I'm great. I'm just so grateful yeah. that I'm alive. And yeah. that's okay. But I can tell you right now, having that nurse say to that person who's like, I'm so grateful. Like, it's okay if that changes. I just want you to know that. It might not. But if it changes, it's really okay. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. There, there were, I mean, that doesn't, I can tell you that doesn't happen th- that often. I've, you know. Um, especially it's something that I especially noticed after I experienced my own birth trauma, how how we don't really, when people are like land on the postpartum floor, even people who have, you know, had a a complication in their birth, they don't, then, you know, we're not trained to ask, you know, are you having trouble processing your birth? You know, we're not trained to ask about trauma. No. And, but it's so common, Mm -hmm. you know, 30%, possibly more people are experienced or would describe their birth as traumatic. Exactly. And we're missing such, and I think this is uh, something that I've noticed as a, a big gap is like, okay, so you have births that are like my experience. 
where my whole medical team was traumatized. So they were really great about understanding that I was traumatized, but that's a teeny percentage. And so what we're having, like I was lucky because mine was so awful, if that makes sense on the back end. I see what you're saying though. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And I, and it's a big reason why I, and, and I talk about this a lot, why I have the confidence to talk about what happened to me. And I have the ability to create this space is because I can be like, you can't say anything to me. I died and came back to life. Yeah. Like you're not yeah. going to- I have a gonna... right to be traumatized. Yes. Yeah. And that and that part I find really difficult because it's not fair for the people who have literally the same thing happen to their brain, right? Yeah. Trauma across the board works the same way in the yeah. brain and don't get as much validation and don't get that same trauma-informed care because- their story is different and their medical provider has decided in their subjective opinion that it wasn't traumatic. That's, that's BS. And that's, it's It's not how it should be. It's total BS. And I just want anybody who's listening, who's had a birth trauma that wasn't validated by Mm -hmm. their healthcare providers. I want you to hear me that even my healthcare providers and not really my providers, but my colleagues, I was telling them as an OBGYN, I was traumatized Mm -hmm. and they just basically, a lot of them just said, no, no, no. (laughs) So it's not, there's really nothing you, what what are you going to do as a patient who's, I mean, I had the quote unquote, you know, credentials to be able to say, no, this is real. This happened to me. And I was still denied the right to be traumatized. Yep. So we have a long way to go, but I just want, you know, people to realize that it's, it's not just because you, it's not a you problem. It's very much a system problem where we're not the fact that, you know, in my training in medical school, we didn't, we talked a lot about trauma, um, you know, on my trauma service in the emergency room, but we didn't talk as much about you know, the, the trauma that occurs in birth because it's supposed to be quote unquote happy. Yeah. And it's just a vest, it's a vestige or a, a very real representation of the patriarchy mm-hmm. that the, the trauma that women experience every single day and bringing life into this world is just, well, that's a f- women problem. That's those stories aren't being told. It's not real. You should be happy. Yep. It's bullshit. Yep. hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. It's it's very much based in the patriarchy, just like shut up and do what you're supposed to do, which is have babies. And yeah. just because it was hard doesn't mean you were traumatized. I can't stand that argument. Um, oh, that drives me crazy. Yeah. Like this is what everyone goes through. You go through it too. Stop complaining about it and exactly. move on. Your baby is healthy. You're healthy. Move on. Um, yeah. I had a colleague who um, was in the military and she told me when I shared my story that it was irritating to her because she knew people who are really traumatized in combat. And it was just like, okay, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, tra- so it's like, it, it, yeah, no, it's out there. It's just that, that people have very men who, you know, you know, military men who go away to combat and come back traumatized. I mean, we don't even have a ton of compassion for them. Right. But right. We, we pretend to mm-hmm. at least. Yes. Women. It's just like, no. 
Yeah. I, I run into this a lot with birth trauma. Um, we're pretty terrible across the board with trauma in general and yeah. <laughs> being super dismissive of it, et cetera. But there yeah. is a specific dismissal of birth trauma that just is um, pervasive. Um, yeah. And it has everything to do with the fact that this was supposed to be the happiest day of your life and we need mm-hmm. to uphold that image for our society to work in the current system that it works yes. in. And if you try to shatter that by telling people it wasn't the best day of your life, we're going to figure out any way we can to shut you up, which is your baby's healthy, you're healthy. What if the baby's not healthy? I did a reel on this. Like you can- Yes, I love that reel. Like everything. It's like, well, my baby died. Well, you can have another one. Yeah. Well, like it's insane. There will always be someone in my comment section. This is one of my favorite things that has been commented said that her therapist calls it a silver lining detective. And I'm like, yes, (laughs) that is a hundred percent what it is. They will always find a way to silver lining the trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than just sit there with you and the discomfort and of the reality of what happened. Yes, absolutely. So is there anything that you want a first-time mom or a pregnant person to know about birth trauma before they give birth? Yeah, I think kind of what I had mentioned before is there is this balance between, um, I think when I first came out of my birth trauma, I was all about like, let's fix our expectations. Like, let's, Mm -hmm. like, you should, like, look what happened to me. Your, your expectations, my expectations were clearly too high, Um, which as I've circled back around and done a lot of healing work, realize that it's really not about that. Um, yeah. It's really not about expectations. And um, we do that though, because then it becomes the person who's birthing. Exactly. Their fault. Exactly. Um, but so, so along that lines, my point is that it's important to know that birth trauma is a thing that exists. If we're seeing 33% mm-hmm. of people reporting that their birth was traumatic for them, it's rampant, right? It's one in three. Yeah. So we have to know that it exists. And if you're someone who struggles to hear traumatic birth stories, I'm not saying like bathe yourself in birth trauma. Like that's that's yeah. not the goal here. It's all about the balance of knowing that complications exist, knowing logistically like what you would do in certain instances And just the idea that like we exist as a community. So if this does happen to you, I really hope it doesn't. But if it does, you have a community to go to. This exists. You're not crazy. And healing is possible. Those are my big sort of what I want people to know. That's really important. And I think that this whole idea that um, birth is going to be the birth of your children is one of the best days of your life. I think it's a very weird concept. It is. I, mm-hmm. mm, even, even I've had a traumatic birth and I've had a birth that wasn't traumatic. Even the really good one, I don't know if I'd call that day one of the yeah. best days of my life. Because I, even if it was happy, I still felt like I had been hit by a train. For sure. <laughs> so it's just very strange that we label just universally, oh, well, the, you know, my best, of course, the day that I gave birth to my children. It's like, is that, do people really feel that? I don't know. I don't feel that. Maybe some people do, but I think it's a story that we're supposed to tell. And so 
you know, if, if other people were sharing, oh, the best day of my life was d- that concert, like the Bruce Springsteen concert, that, if yeah. that was what people were saying, we might feel more comfortable. And I think it does. I'm sure. I do think there, I think I've heard people say like it was the best day of their life, whether they feel it or not. I do believe there are people out there that see it as the best day of their life and yeah. have these beautiful, amazing birth experiences, yeah. which is great. I do think that it kind of falls in line with this like, um, martyrdom motherhood thing yeah. where we're like supposed to like the, that was the best day of my life. And how dare you say it was the worst day of your life, which I say all the time. Yeah. Um, do and, people actually say, get oh yeah. upset at you for saying it was the worst day of your life? Yes. All the time. I'm going to ruin my son. Um, I'm like, listen, my son's going to know I love the crap out of him and he's going to know that we both fought together to be here. And also that that day sucked <laughs> because yeah. he also came out not really alive. So he probably didn't love that day either had he remembered yeah. it. Um, yeah. But I, I I do think it's this, this push of like – I often hear people say, for instance, like, oh, it was so terrible. The birth was awful. But I would totally do it all over again. I mm. would not do it all over again. I would not yeah. give my son back. I'm – yeah. That yeah, I'm yeah, obsessed yeah. with him, but those are two yeah. different things. I would not do this totally. experience all over again. Totally. And I would trade it back for anything as long as I got to keep my son. Yeah. But yeah, the, yeah. this idea of like, I would suffer at the hands of my child no matter what, it's, it's this whole weird complex. Like, we yeah. can love our children and do a lot for them and also not, not want to die. <laughs> want to die for them? Like, <laughs> Especially, yeah. and I think I think this is something that's actually a really important point that I was talking about with someone the other day is that on the day that your child was born, yeah. you did not know your child. And so when we, I, yeah. I have a lot of people who have experienced birth trauma who really struggle with the fact that they wanted nothing to do with their baby when they oh, were born because I wanted, yeah, of course you didn't know that child and you were like dying. So it's okay. Yes. Um, it's, it's totally yes. okay. And that's not the three-year-old that you now know. You weren't rejecting the three-year-old that you now know. It's yes. totally separate. And so that's something else I want people to know. If you struggle to bond, very, very common after birth trauma. One, you eventually will. And two, you're not a monster and you're not crazy. It's a totally normal reaction to an abnormal situation. Yeah. I mean, when they put Celeste on me, um, there was... I, I almost, I almost just, I just couldn't deal with it at that point. Yeah. I was still very much just trying in my head. I was trying to survive, even though I was never unstable. Everything was from an external perspective. Everything was fine, but I felt like I was coming out of a death. Yeah. So her being on, I just remember thinking, wow, she's really warm She's warmer than I thought she'd be. And then I just kept thinking, because I had an unmedicated birth, which was my choice. And I just kept thinking that how stupid that was, how foolish I was to have done that. And it did. It took us um, time to bond. And Mm -hmm. I tell people all the time that some love simmers before it boils. And that's how I felt. I felt like, okay, I know I'm supposed to take care of you. Yeah. But I don't feel this like, overwhelming, you know, love that no. other people describe. And it was scary. It's because so everybody talks about scary. Immediate love. And it's like, oh shit, is something wrong with me? Yes. It's 
it's honestly one of the worst feelings in the world because you feel like yeah. you're hiding this like monster that yeah. you are. And my my family started to notice too. And um, that was really hard because yeah. they were like, is she going to be okay? Like she is not bonding with the baby. Like they don't know what's normal. Like we need more education on this stuff yes. because then my family could have been less freaked out. I was freaked out. Everyone was freaked out. <laughs> Yeah. And you've got this poor kid who's like the best and he was totally fine. But it's it's we didn't bond until like probably like six months. I mean, yeah. and people are like, well, whoa, what did you do that whole time? And I was like, I took care of him. And I like I loved him. I just didn't yeah. have like I I felt obligated to take care of him and I loved him. And little by little, his little smiles really did me in. And, you know, you, you get to the point where you start to connect more, but it, again, it took like six months. Yeah. And, and I think that that's actually way, way more common than we ever share because, and that's how bonding works. Yeah. You don't, I think we like this idea that the love comes first and then we take care of them because we love them. But bonding doesn't actually work that way. And it's, we take care of them in the act of taking care of them. We bond with them and we fall in love with them. Now you can also fall in love immediately. I've had both experiences that, you know, the relationship I have with those, you can't tell the difference. No. I've, I have a five-year-old, the other one's two and a half. Cannot tell the difference which one I bonded with immediately and which one took weeks to months. Exactly. It's it's like the yeah. same, like we love romanticizing, like love at first sight in romantic mm-hmm. relationships. It's like the same idea that same most of the time that is not occurring. And I think we don't give ourselves enough credit, especially in the birth trauma community for like what we experienced, whether it was physically or emotionally, it doesn't matter. Cause again, yeah. it shows yeah. up the same way in our brain. And yeah. I went from like nine months pregnant with no memory of walking into the hospital to waking up in an ICU being told that my baby was pulled out of me while they were doing CPR on me. Like how in the world yeah. would, would that just be like, Oh, lovely. I'm obsessed with you, baby child while yeah. I have chest tubes and, open wounds it like no again the same goes for the emotional effects too like you said when you don't feel safe your brain is in an alarmed state and so it cannot focus on bonding with your baby no no and when you you know when everybody's asking you about the you know the birth or or you know and talking about it makes you feel physically ill Mm -hmm. and you're holding back tears because you're not, you know, you're supposed to be smiling and sharing a happy story. It's, you know, yeah, (laughs) everybody wants to hear the happy story. And when you don't have one to share or, you know, what a lot of uh, us do with birth trauma is we, we kind of split our brain and Mm -hmm. we tell the story that people want to hear. We perform and we keep that part, we, we try to keep it hidden. We don't want to worry anybody. Yep. We we don't know that if, if our story will be accepted. And so we just keep that part hidden. And that that tears you apart. You know, you can't oh, yeah. want to be integrated with your, you know, it's a survival mechanism, right? To compartmentalize your trauma. Yep. But at the end of the day, 
you have to be integrated. It has yeah. to be become a part of you so that you can heal through it. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some initial steps you would recommend somebody who has a traumatic birth take? Um, definitely 100% therapy. Yeah. I could not recommend therapy more. Trauma is not something that we can just like think our way out of. Um, our, you know, brain and nervous system has gone a little bit haywire and it needs some help, um, getting back. And so a hundred percent therapy in terms of just, um, sort of your own reframe around your birth and what you're thinking about it. Big things are that you can be too, opposing emotions at the same time. You can feel two conflicting emotions at the same time. So often we'll see people get like angry and sad and be like, oh, I can't feel that way. I just have to be grateful that we're both alive and safe and it could have been so much worse. And like, yeah, it could have always been worse. And also it could have been a heck of a lot better, which is what I always like to say. Um, And I think so reminding yourself that like- There are people who have orgasms during birth. Okay, guys. So yeah, it could have been could always be worse and it could always be better. Yeah. Um, and so I think giving yourself the space to to allow yourself to feel those feelings when you're able to without judging them or feeling guilty about them because they're normal reactions to, again, an abnormal situation. Um, but therapeutic support is, is a big one and finding a community that you connect with because birth trauma can yeah. make you kind of feel like an alien in like normal mom groups. Um, oh, yeah. And so I think – finding a community that you feel like you connect with um, can be really helpful for healing too. Yeah. I can, every time I post something of yours to my stories or I refer people are my DMS all the time asking about birth trauma. And I can't tell you how often they come back after going to your page and they come back so relieved. Oh, that makes me so happy. Especially when you talk about birth, like, your son's birthday not being Ugh. being difficult for you. Yes. And I can't tell you how many people came back into my DMs and said, oh my gosh, I'm, I, I, I thought I, it was just me. Yeah. And it's so validating to your community is so lovely and you are so lovely. It's so validating for people to see their experience reflected. I know it's, y'all, it's, it's validating for me. And um, yeah, so- Thank you for saying that. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's one of those things where even I, before I post, I'm like, mm, this sounds a little crazy. This could be crazy. <laughs> I feel like maybe no one will relate to this. And I do. And like, it, we have the same things going on in our brain. Yeah. And the whole anniversary piece I realized recently, I, I forget where I said this, but we were talking, maybe in the group I run, we were talking about anniversaries. And I was like, no other trauma. Do people say, you should really love that day? You should stop talking about how much you hate it. Like when someone has a a sexual assault, we're not like, "Mm, you should really try to enjoy that that day more. It should really be something you celebrate. You should really stop dragging everyone down with your anniversary feels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And again, since ours is paired with our child's birth, it's very unfortunate for us because we get a lot of that. and, And we also 
don't want to take it out on our kid and their birthday. Yeah. So, because we love our kids as much as people You're not, I mean, we're not monsters just because (laughs) we have difficult feelings. Right, exactly. And so I do a lot of work with, with people in my community and in therapy, just figuring out how to navigate, like, where right. are we able to have that space for your feelings and you can feel good because we want to celebrate. Like that's what I think right. people on the outside don't get. They're like, oh, you're ruining your kids. Like, no, I desperately want it to be the happiest day of my life. And of course you do. Like we want to do that. And so figuring out ways around that, right? Like having a day before where you just crumble into pieces and feel sad. Yeah. And give, giving yourself the space for that so that you can celebrate. And as a reminder, your kid, the first few years of their life, isn't going to remember their birthday. So if there's a time no. to be sad on their birthday, it's those first few years as you heal. 100%. Yep. <laughs> it's the classic, you know, um, you you go all out for the first birthday, and then when they're older, you realize, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now they're with it. They were not, they are not no. going to remember that elaborate no. first birthday at all. Exactly. Yeah. So what do you want healthcare providers to know about birth trauma? I think that that's kind of the area that we focus a lot on survivors and the individuals. And, you know, I think it's helpful because most people can't wait around for the medical system to, you know, get its shit together. But really at the end of the day, birth trauma, a lot of it needs to be addressed at the the level, you know, at in, inside the healthcare system. So what is your message to providers? Yeah, I think, um, like really thinking about, cause I have to, I have to believe that most providers do not want their patients leaving their birth traumatized. I have yeah. to believe that. And what we really need providers to understand is how different trauma can look for different people. Yeah. And that trauma is genuinely a subjective experience and not a choice. People are not like, oh, that was hard. I'm going to be traumatized by it. Like, (laughs) that's not how trauma works. And and that comes down to education, right? And Mm -hmm. um, really a turning over of sort of like a bit of a new guard in terms of the the healthcare, (laughs) um, really acknowledging people's feelings and emotions around the care that they're yeah. receiving because birth is not the same as a gallbladder surgery. Like it's yeah. just not. And we cannot make it the same. I think medical providers really want like, that's, that's rude. I shouldn't say all, but a lot of medical providers yeah. are like, this is, you know, it's over medicalized. This is a procedure. This is what we do. We get the baby out, everyone's healthy and you go home and you're fine. And they don't want the nuance of what birth means to that person, which is not a gallbladder yeah. surgery. Yeah, And yeah, yeah. that's what I want people to take into account. Birth trauma or not, is that there's so much nuance and there's nothing we can do to expel expectations. Expectations exist around birth. We can prepare for other things, complications. We can do a good job educating patients. But at the end of the day, people want a birth where they're not traumatized and that's an acceptable expectation. And so I want providers to be able to honor that. I want them to be trauma-informed and I want them to know that they have a lot to do with the experience. And they yeah. can change the course of a birth with the way that they provide treatment. And even if there is a catastrophic complication, like in my case, yeah. you still have an effect on the outcome of that patient's emotional health. 100%. Yeah. 
And I will say, I think a lot of providers think that if you acknowledging that a patient had trauma means that it was their fault, that it was the provider's fault. And there are certainly examples of that. Somehow I don't think that the people who are out there like really traumatizing pregnant people are the ones who care as much about that. Yeah. Um, But just because, you know, your patient saying I had a traumatic birth is that doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, I'm putting the blame for my trauma at your feet. Right. My, the trauma that I experienced in my birth had nothing to do with my providers. Nobody could have known what was happening inside my head. Everybody thought I had fallen asleep because I was just laying there and not moving. So they thought I was having a peaceful, beautiful experience, right? And there's nothing they could have done. I couldn't talk. I couldn't tell them, hey, some pain relief would be helpful right now. Yeah. Couldn't say it. So there's, there's no fault. But I also think that when we, there's this, when we treat people's bodies like they're not their own and they are somehow become property of labor and delivery and the healthcare system, when you lose ownership of your body. I lost ownership of my body through pain, Mm -hmm. but you can lose ownership of your body because other human beings are taking ownership of your body. And that is very traumatizing. Yes, absolutely. And it's not in the best interests of patients most of the time. Right. Yeah. I had to, I had a long conversation on a podcast with, um, this amazing anesthesiologist that I love. She actually runs safe partum. It's a really cool, um, Instagram, but we were talking a lot about this idea of like liability and how scary it can feel to providers and that can sometimes keep them from like saying sorry because it feels like admitting fault. And I'm like, yeah, yes. I like, I listen, I hear you. And I'm, I'm not in that profession. I don't understand the scary liability, but I have to tell you from a psychological perspective if you have a doctor who comes in and the person says they were traumatized and the doctor says, wow, I am so sorry. That is not how I meant for it to happen, but my impact is just as important as my intent. Let me walk through you what happened and, and all that, yeah. whatever. That person's going to be a heck of a lot less likely to sue. I got to tell you psychologically. Agreed. And so that that's the part where I just feel like there is such a gap in, in yeah. understanding the patient experience. 100%. There's a book actually for physicians. Oh. I can't remember the name, but it was given to me in residency. That said, it's like something like, it's okay to say, I'm sorry. Because oh, it really is. Fantastic. People are truly, yeah, people are truly afraid that if they, they say, I'm sorry, that they are admitting fault. But it's, you know, any good um, malpractice lawyer will tell you that being a human, Mm-hmm. And approaching your patients with humanity yes. is it will always um, be the best choice. Yes. I Lawsuit know. and just, as you said, psychologically for that patient and truly for us as human beings, because it doesn't feel good as a human being to know what's right mm-hmm. and to be afraid of, you know, um, being sued. And, yes. uh, and afraid of losing your livelihood that you've worked so hard for. Yeah. When those things are tearing you apart, yeah. um, it's that's 
bad for you. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. Yeah. That's bad for you. So yeah, I'm glad exactly. you brought that up. Yeah. Really, really important conversation. Okay. So my final question. Yes. What is the change you want to see in your lifetime when it comes to birth trauma? Great question. Um, I would say just one. (laughs) I would say um, for all providers to be genuinely trauma-informed. Because I truly believe that would prevent um, an overwhelming amount of birth trauma and for the birth trauma, like near misses that continue to happen, that trauma-informed care will mitigate a lot of that trauma. It's not going to make it go away, but it will absolutely mitigate a lot of it. So if there's one thing around birth trauma, it would would absolutely be that. Yeah. I I think that I have a lot of hope that will happen. You see yeah. Gen Z. Gen yes. Z is a medical school right now, y'all. We're not messing around. And Gen Z is trauma-informed, <laughs> yeah, okay? Not messing around. <laughs> you cannot be on TikTok without no. being trauma-informed. No, you cannot. Or you will get called out for it. And I love it. Exactly. So I think it's happening. And I hope, one of my hopes is that, you know, I have, I'm an interesting person because I've had my own birth trauma and then mm-hmm. I've experienced... Um, I have been the second victim and I have quote unquote birth trauma from, um, experiences that I've had with patients. And one of the experiences that I had as a physician, um, a traumatic experience I had as part of the reason why I left medicine. Mm -hmm. And after it happened, I asked for help. I looked for help. I, you know, I said, I'm having a really hard time with this. Um, you know, what is available for me? And there wasn't anything available for me. You know, even when I, I was looking for someone to talk to who had dealt with birth trauma on the other side. I mean, there's not a lot of people who are helping birth trauma as somebody who's experienced it, but there's even less people who are talking to OBGYNs and midwives and labor and delivery nurses about their trauma. I couldn't find anything. And I I think from both sides, we need to be trauma-informed as physicians for our patients. We also need it for ourselves so we don't perpetuate our trauma onto other people. I had a hard time because the trauma that I experienced as a physician, I was having trouble separating that trauma from the the next patient in the next room. And and it affects your choices as a 100%. Yeah. And it's hard to, if you are feeling afraid. You know, if you see it, I would see a patient that had some similar characteristics to what the experience I had. And it was hard for me to not pass that fear onto that individual because I was afraid seeing them. So we need it for many, many reasons. And I have, I have some hope that it will happen. Yeah, absolutely. A great resource for that. Krista Dancy runs a page called Learn About Trauma and also Dancy Perinatal. And she does a lot of provider um, education and support around like vicarious trauma um, and trauma for for those who are in L&D. That's amazing. We need we need people like that doing yes. tours of medical schools and residency programs and going to grand rounds and and talking about it because... 
I mean, yes, it happens I, I, a lot. It does because because again, it's like this profession where ninety percent of the time I would give it in normal hospitals, things are going pretty good. Yeah, and when it doesn't go good, it goes really bad. Yeah, and it's really yeah. traumatic for a lot of people involved. I mean, there are lots of. Um, OBs who leave when they see an AFE like that like yeah oh yeah it's just there's so much trauma that happens in L&D on both sides and we really need to like come on in and and sweep it up with some support exactly exactly so where can people find more of you yes um on Instagram and TikTok I have the same username it's at the birth trauma underscore mama and um, my website is thebirthtraumamama.com. And you do counseling and then you do consultations as well, right? Yeah. So I do, um, I have a caseload. I do therapy, specifically birth trauma therapy for individuals and couples living in Pennsylvania because that's where I'm okay. licensed. Um, and then I have consultations for non-PA residents, which are just sort of one appointment where we talk about what happened, support you, and then get you support, um, connected to support in your area. Perfect. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was so lovely to, to talk to you and Thank you so much for all that you do for for moms and pregnant and postpartum people everywhere. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for what you do in your space. It is so valuable and I'm so excited we were able to connect. Perfect. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Becoming Moms. If you were looking for more support from me during your pregnancy journey, head over to sterlingparents.com to learn more about our membership. The Sterling Parents membership now comes with a private Instagram account where members can send me direct messages 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Pregnancy is hard. You deserve support. Head over to sterlingparents.com to get the best support available for your pregnancy.